it's just it is yeah. what it is. Like I've really been thinking about uh, the sky, oh, the sky, yo, the sky. It's right there. How many times have you really thought about? Oh my god, the sky. Oh the my sky. god, yo. it's right there. <laughs> I don't know what else is on my mind. They don't know. My name is Jose Olivares. What's good, y'all? Uh, my name is Record Player, aka, AKA Fogra, aka, AKA Dial It Up, AKA, AKA Dial It Back, AKA, AKA Stack of Pancakes, AKA, AKA Stack of Books, AKA AKA, 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 <laughs> we have a very special guest on today here to introduce themselves. Oh, do I get it now? All right. Uh, I'm John Manuel Arias, aka, AKA Mikasa Esukasa, AKA, AKA Southeast Gaucho, AKA, AKA Anacostico, AKA, AKA Bareback Contessa. Hey! Wow! 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 Give applause on Bareback Contessa. That's what it was. That's, wow. that's an immaculate, immaculate name. I'm not going to lie, y'all. I think we're going to have a great show today. Yeah. I can just not, feel it. It's very we're not surprising. It's very, very good. <laughs> yeah. You know very what I mean? Good. Yeah. We're here live in Brooklyn, New York. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Here at the Hummus Emporium. <laughs> yeah. Hummus is very popping as it usual. Really we're out here. It is. I'm taking more. <laughs> yes, please do. We're, we're eating. We got these very nicely cut up <laughs> squares of French bread. I don't know if the bread is French, but like whenever I like bread, I'm like, it's it must French. be French. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta be French bread. Whenever I like anyone, they're French. It's like, oh, you must be French. Hence the French kiss. You know That's what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. It's yeah. the French fries. It's Shout the out. only way I get a potato there you go. Yes. There it is. Yeah. Wait, what? I just what? was a French fry. Right, we've heard French fry, we've oh, heard right. French kiss. What did you say? I was moved to ask people when their first French kiss was. Oh. But, you know. I know when mine was. <laughs> <laughs> we all know when ours was. Yeah. I just really like mine. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. We're, uh, we're going to get into our first segment of the show. That segment is called What's On your mind. <laughs> wow. Can I just say that John Sands just improvised some choreography? I'm very moved. We just recorded with Nicole. Really? And now yeah. I'm like, everything needs dance. Everything dance. needs yes. dance. It's true. Shout out to wow. Nicole Shantae, you know, our last I, yeah. guest. She really opened up a lot of things. A lot she's of a things. Right. Let's just choreograph as we record. Get. You can't see it, but I'm, a, I'm doing all the hand motions. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> Go Facebook Live with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, that's hilarious. Aziza, huh? what's on your mind? <laughs> oh my god. Um, <laughs> um, so what's on my mind is um, I was actually really moved by this. I started going to this hot yoga class down the street from my aunt's house. And you pay for one class, you get for $25, you get 15 free. What? Wow. That's insane. the best deal ever. Queens. That's Queens. how I want everything. Mm-hmm. Buy one, get 15 free. How does that even work as a business model? <laughs> well, it's 15 consecutive classes. And then after that, the back rates, to back, you have like, to go every day or you miss oh. a class, right? And it's just gone. So it's 15 days of free class. It's not days. like your next 15 That's classes. That's kind of shady because they know you're not going to complete that. But I but went you to could. a great many. 15. I went to about Even if you get like five or... Yeah, yeah. seven. Oh, you know what I mean? After those for free? Also, what if you it? get 15 in a row, you're going to wake up the next day and be like, I need... Day off. again. Yeah. No, I was thinking. <laughs> like, and you will do yeah, it, maybe right? Two will, I, I, I was like, hot. I need to be there. And I was like, a day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take one day. I just did 16 days, one page, 15 free. I'm going to take so one day off. Funny. And then, you know, I'll do it again. 
Yeah, or I'll, or I'll just quit the game. <laughs> or, I'm, or that's it for me. <laughs> I, I, I was struck because one day I had to leave the class, which is like deeply frowned upon once they shut the door. Mm. Um, but I had to leave because the instructor was just like really not doing it right. Mm. He was just like talking about himself a lot in his practice. It, it was interesting. And he was wearing this like goofy microphone thing on his head. The room is small. And the microphone had this feedback static that was like, Rah! and it was just like, this is not healing. This is not, not a healing to aligning space. your chakras. No, chakras was not lit. <laughs> and I was just laying there and I was sitting there like this. I was like, Karumph. And this woman next to me was looking like, you know, peeping like my facial hair, my body hair, my ball head. And she moved across to the other side of the room. Mm. And I was like, you know what? I'm off this. Like, just not today, Satan, not today. And then I went to this like vinyasa class and uh, days later and the same lady was there and the teacher was different. Uh, it was this dude, Richie, who's real sweet. And um, describe this lady for me. Mm, no, okay. like I, I would, I will later, but she just was like not hitting it, not okay. hitting it on the ones and twos. And like she was like <laughs> laying next to me and she looked at me. She's like, oh, God, the beard person again. And I was just like, OK. But then we totally bonded because there was this one pose that she was like not getting where you had to like curl up, that put your legs, like hold your legs in your hands while you're on your stomach and like rock around or whatever. And she was like, I am not doing this very well. And I was just like, no, but you're going to be great. Like I was compelled to tell her like, you got this boo. And so we're like rolling on the ground <laughs> with each Aww. other. And afterwards she was like, I will do that pose well next time. And I was like, I know you will. It's going to be great. As you talked about her practice. She's been going for like six years. I was oh, like, wow. okay, shorty, you, you were getting acclimatized to some bearded ladiness, but whatever. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know what your problem is, but I do know the lotus, the locust position is not your strong suit currently. <laughs> <laughs> and my ego was fine because I was killing it. So I got I got to like enjoy her company and feel like I was stunting on a nigga a little bit. <laughs> I like it. I don't know that much about yoga poses, but I feel like saying that someone's locust position is not really doing it. That feels like it could be a dig. I mean, I only said it to y'all, and now to a nation of people. <laughs> it's not a read. It's not a read. It's not. It's not a read. It's just where you're at. Because my <laughs> locus position, perhaps a year ago, was like not a position. It was simply a scramble of legs. So it's not the one. But I, I think like it was nice to be able to offer her like support. And for her to receive it, she was like, "Thank, I needed that because she, you could tell she was like embarrassed for struggling. She'd been going for six years, you know, like she wants mm. to do well, and it's not about doing well, at all. Right. But I think you know she wanted to, and it's like, dude, you can. Like, it, it's really okay. So that was something that moved me. I remember hearing Adam talk about doing yoga, mm. and that it took him like. A year to stop being like, okay, how do I win? How do you win at yoga? <laughs> I mean, you want to win at yoga. You Costa Rica and you open like a spa resort for white people to come. This do is an excellent segue, actually, to you're moving to Costa Rica, which I can't wait to talk about. Oh, Just, um, you, didn't, you didn't open up a ridiculous thing, but like you opened up a great thing. Yes. So I, I'll chill. I'll calm wait. down. It's yeah, <laughs> it's great. It's great. Jose, yeah. yeah. What's in your mouth? Word. So. Uh, yesterday, uh, I flew into New York, you know, where we are currently recording, and I was going, traffic was real wild, so I was I was going downtown to meet up with my partner and some friends for like a, a dinner, um, and so I, I took the R train, uh, so I took a bus to the R train, and on the R train, uh, I got on the train and immediately realized that I got on the train with like... 15 boys who all played for like the local high school baseball team so they're all on the train together and they're like very loud like it was clearly like maybe when they got on it was just them on the train and they've like just decided to like keep moving that way you know what i mean they like got music blasting and they're like you know having a great time so i sit down i'm like oh well this is very lovely uh and we're riding and then everything is cool and then another one of their teammates gets on like two stops later and he's holding a bag of <laughs> of freshly made Wendy's chocolate chip cookies. Oh. He's got like six of them and there's like 15 boys, right? And so he's holding the bag up here and everybody like crowds around him and is like giving him reasons. They're like, you you gotta give me a cookie because we've known each other since kindergarten. <laughs> and that'd be real fucked up. 
if you give Manuel a cookie, you know what I mean, and he, he's, you, you just knew on the team. This yeah. was the first year. We've been playing together since kindergarten. You know what I mean? Uh, Using guilt as a bartering tool. Yeah, yeah. They're all, I mean, it is, it's, it's, you know, one of them is like, like putting it on Snapchat, like, ah, look at this, right? And they're all just like doing this thing. And I'm like, oh, like, you know, I'm curious. I'm watching them. And uh, eventually he like breaks up the cookie and everybody gets a piece, right? And I was like, wow, like, yo, shout out to these high school boys that are out here, you know, very socially, democratically, everybody eats. You know what I mean? I just kept thinking, like, everybody Steady eats. Is, yeah. yeah. Everybody eats. Not, you know, nobody goes hungry. Mm. And just as I'm, like, feeling good, I hear a commotion, and then I look up, and they've all chosen one kid, and they've started to throw what? <laughs> no! chip cookies. They wasted the cookies? They they ate like they were very peacefully eating, and then at some point they were like, you know what would be more fun than eating this cookie <laughs> if we all just started tearing little pieces and throwing it at the same kid. Oh wow! No. Yes, and so you know the high lesson there. Yeah. High school boys, the best people and the worst people at Democratic the same time, and then tyrannical. <laughs> tyrannical, yeah. This kid is just saying. I mean, they all laughed. The worst part though was. Uh, they didn't clean up after themselves. So, oh. like, five stops later, like, we hit Manhattan and these very confused business people, like, are getting on and they're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> did somebody shit themselves? Like, what is all this brown shit on the, on the seats and on the ground? And everywhere? And meanwhile, they're like, at this point, they're like very quietly sitting on the other end of the train. They you just know what I mean? left that way. Hold on, hold on, hold on. They just, they just left like, the cookies everywhere. They didn't everywhere. leave the train. They just left that section. <laughs> they just left that section and they That's like sat so down. Stupid. Aww. And then you know, so this was all of this was so fascinating to me. Then they played. They started playing this game where they would like put their arms up against the train door and close their eyes, and one of their teammates would like spank them as hard as they could. And the game was. They had to guess who it was. This is the gay yes. shit. This is real life. queer. And I hear for real athletics. Yeah. Very much and so the game was, if you guessed who, who's, who was the one that spanked you, then they had to go next. But if you guessed wrong, then you had to take another turn and get spanked again. What? And so they're I like... should have played high school sports. <laughs> <laughs> high school oh baseball God. team in Queens, apparently. LOL. This is how they get down. But no. yeah, I was just like, I was like, fast, it was fascinating to observe. You know what I mean? To be like, wow. they can be so good and so kind and be so physical and so resentful and so, you know what I mean? Like, they're everything, all, they're everything, everything they're at the same time. Everything. Wow. You saw oh. a whole life happen. A whole life. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Shout out to how when strangers get on the train and there's like anything on the train, they assume the worst about it. Is it yeah. people will turn around and see oh. like a candy wrapper and be like, I cannot sit there. <laughs> Do not know where that candy wrapper came from. Yeah. <laughs> like they will not sit on the candy wrapper. They will walk to the other side of the train and be like, no wrapper. And there is here. nothing worse than seeing like mysterious stains. Mysterious right. stains on the train. Like yeah. Oh, I will stand. I will stand for. I mean, like I remember you, once people yeah. did stand. <laughs> no one said because you don't you don't know and you actually don't want to find out. No. It's not important, right? It's you not just worth want to go home more than anything. But like to see people as they navigate, like is it what? Hmm? Like their faces, their noses, just twitching is very fun to watch. It's it a game was, show in and of itself. It was also like you could see at play. You know the way that race and racism works on an interpersonal level with these brown boys. Yeah, yeah, because mm. they were brown boys. You know, uh, and and when they would get on, not when they would get on, but when people in Manhattan started getting on, and these were mostly white women in very business casual attire, they went straight. They were like, "Oh no!" Yeah, and they went straight to the other side of the train, and I was just like, "These boys are, you know, harmless." They're, but it's subverting whiteness. Mm. by making white people not want to sit down and be comfortable, it's subverting. But I, but the thing that I was interested in is that I think it's those same instincts that... that One of the things that I've, has been on my mind a lot... I mean, the cookie crumbs. ...has been... Right, well, uh, one of the things that has been on my mind a lot has been, like, um, here in Brooklyn, which, you know, has experienced some gentrification, right... And a lot of white families have moved in or, you know, younger white people without families and are now starting to have families. 
And there was this fascinating report that came out not too long ago that was discussing how white pe- these new white families are for charter schools if their neighborhood school is predominantly black. I've heard about that. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're like anti-neighborhood schools. They're like pro-school choice. But if their local neighborhood school is, you know, majority white, then they're anti-charter schools and they're pro-neighborhood schools. You know what I mean? Like, basically, you know they I'm... just want to be and keep their kids and their families and their lives as far removed from people of color. From people of color you know what I mean? And particularly from, from black people. Mm-hmm. And you know what it reminds me of? And I almost cut you off, I'm sorry. Okay. But it viscerally, obviously, of Paul Beatty's The Sellout. Have you mm, read this? I, I've not read it. Have you ever read the? Oh, I love Paul Beatty. Yeah. So this, it's the first and only book of his I've read. Really? And it's my favorite book. Wow. So I need to go read the rest of the stuff. But there's it's a it's a satirical novel about this black dude who reinstates slavery in the town of um in the town that he lives in in mm-hmm. Dickinson, California. Mm-hmm. And he reinstates it for these various reasons. It's it's really absurd, but you know, black man. And then towards the end of the book there are these schools and then there's segregated schools across the street from each other. It's like white school, black school. And it and it's hilarious. And he has these scenes of like the teachers from each school like stepping outside to let the kids out just like you know, making wild faces at each other. And it's just it's just deeply absurd. But it's it's not even like that's happening now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like he wrote that and now it's happening. It's just like so exhausting. It's also like I feel like if you wanna separate your kids, you just want your kids then to be like it's it's complicated because I went my elementary school was an all black specifically all black elementary school mm-hmm. there was one white girl that went to that school mm-hmm. and it was weird mm-hmm. like that was a weird thing that happened and her mother worked there and that was the only reason she could go to the school <laughs> like they were not allowed to come to the school yeah and it was like the only all black private school in la from ages we had pre-preschool from pre-preschool to sixth grade and it was like a feeder into the all white private schools But they kind of knew, like, these kids are going to need each other Mm. in order to do that other schooling. Because our district schools were for shit. Our charter schools were for shit. Like, where were we going to go after Mm. that? You know, we had to go to white private school and waste all your money and all the shit. And they're very expensive and very competitive. Like, it's terrible. But there was something foundationally necessary about me not being around any white kids till I was 10. It's Mm. very special. There was a white flight in my middle school Mm. when we first got there in fifth grade. Mm. And then all the white parents Mm. realized how black the school was. Because, I mean, born and raised in D.C., Mm -hmm. when I was raised, it was like 75, 80%. Chocolate City. It was Chocolate City. Yeah. And so these white Capitol Hill, which is like the kind of bougie part of town, they realized Mm. that this was a predominantly black school. Mm. And they all got the fuck out. Wild. They all pulled their kids out. And the crazy thing, well, there are many crazy things, but it's also a collective experience based on a very private, familial, individual experience that happens over and over again in a pattern. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering so much about that, honestly, like, uh, and I'm thinking about it with white people and I'm thinking about it with men and I'm thinking about like, here's my, uh, so I'm working with a theory right now that is like... So I've been thinking about Audre Lorde's poem, A Litany for Survival, and how ultimately, like, the, th- the thesis of this poem is about what it is to speak with the understanding that you're temporary. Mm-hmm. Um, That's th- the one. And that, like, that knowledge should be so ingrained because it's a type of bravery. And the idea isn't if you die that, like, something is broken. Like, the idea is, like, that that's how it works that you die. And I think about like the power structures that undergird whiteness. You know, because like white people die. Yeah. Like, white people get cancer, white people get in car accidents, white people have crazy things happen. White and, like, people even get shot. Yeah, white people yeah. get shot. White people go to prison. Like these things happen to white people, but I think that there is a sale of like immortality mm-hmm. that white people are very disconnected with the idea of danger Hmm. even though they're in danger just by being human but they're like Hmm. there's this like wholesale buy-in and you believe yourself to be immortal and yet something deep in your body knows that you're not immortal Hmm. 
and it urges you to protect mm. at a time when you should be embracing your temporary nature in a way that's vulnerable because what it is to look outside and have kids who you love or like people who you love and be like man we just like need like somebody can tell you if you're if you think that you're here to live forever and that crime can end that then someone can sell you that crime is something that you should be afraid of should be and you can support the war on drugs or something like that because you're in some weird way thinking about your kid and trying to like protect immortality and that like abstract notion of protecting something that is unprotectable has such real world consequences when plugged into these power structures right so someone is like i just want a good education for my kids and while not understanding and letting that like fear be sold to them they create they like help i don't know infuse and like grow and build this system Mm -hmm that is so profoundly unfair and has like day-to-day consequences. That reminds me of, um, I was on a, on a business call the other day for this fellowship I'm in, <clears throat> and it's um, predominantly queer black people in the fellowship, but it's organized by, you know, white folks who are, some are queer, some are not. And um, we were talking about what it is to be sustainable what does that word mean to you and um this one white woman who was facilitating said like you know oh well like i I think living without fear is is part of my sustainable practice and we all got pissed we were like what do you mean without it Mm -hmm. what do you mean without it? it and it was such an arrogance to think that you would not have any fear or that you could get to a point of having no fear and it reminded me of this nina simone clip where she's sitting on the carpet, much like this elegant carpet, yes, John, um, wearing like this decadent robe, and this one reporter, um, who you don't see, so I don't know what his deal is, right. but he's like, um, what's freedom to you? She's like, well, what's it to you? And he's like, no, this is your interview. She's like, hmm, no fear. I mean, really, no fear. If I could just live half of my life, and then she starts almost crying, and she goes, like a new way of seeing. Like a new way of seeing something. That's it. And and I get scared when people say no fear. When I say no fear, because it's because of the arrogance, but also because Nina Simone said that she was bipolar, never diagnosed until she was old, and then it was with terrible medication. And so her whole life, she thought, I just have to live for the stage because while I'm on stage, I'm not afraid. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna live my life in anticipation for one hour every Ooh. couple of weeks Damn. and only be my best self for one hour every couple of weeks. Wow. And then I'm gonna retire to bedlam, you know what I mean? Like, and she was, a, the consequences were, were steep, right? Like mm-hmm. she beat the fuck out of her child, you know? She moved to Liberia, she, her husband beat the fuck out of her, you know? Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> it was all because she thought but I have to live for this one moment where I think I matter and I don't matter any of the other moments if I'm afraid. And it's like, no, like, sorry. It's like, no, you, there, there, will, not, there will never be no fear. There will never be no fear. It's a reality that I couldn't imagine. No. Like walking down the street and feeling no fear. It must be liberating and fantastic. Or delusional. Or delusional, right. It's like... Uh, when white people move to the hood mm-hmm. or when Europeans or white people go to Costa Rica and they go to these terrible neighborhoods that are real dangerous and they just go la 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 you know they have their <laughs> backpacks on and they're chilling and you're just like you should technically be afraid yeah like cause I'm afraid for because, you right I'm afraid for myself and I have enough fear to give hmm. to you but y'all you don't have any how do you do that? Oh How do you God. feel so secure that we're walking at like two in the morning where there are gangsters and prostitutes and all this stuff? You know what I mean? How do you do that? And you know, it's, I, I almost don't want to know. Like that kind of fearlessness I'm not interested in. You know, that, that kind of yeah. carelessness. Because it's carelessness. It's carelessness, absolutely. You know what I mean? And I've, I know how to be I know how to be fucking careless. Like, <laughs> I, I know how to do that. <laughs> this is not very hard to do. Um... You know, when I when I think of fearless, I think of, oh, I think of you, John, because you Aww. know, and this is a wonderful segue. I would love to yeah. so how we we've we've minded Mine ourselves. Mine counts for my what's on your. Are mind. you sure? Okay, yeah, for, cool. for sure. Yeah. So, um, well, John, so this is like John Arias is one of my best friends on the planet of Earth. Yeah. And um, I would love to just talk to you about like start from most recent and head backwards if that's okay. cool. So like recently you moved back from Costa Rica where you had been living for three, three years. years 
What were you doing there? Um, so, like every writer, I was finishing my novel. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And like every writer, I didn't finish it. Wow. Um, yeah. Um, so I moved there originally. I graduated from school. I was here in uh, New York. And so I didn't have a move. Like, my move-out date for my apartment was the day that I graduated. Mm. New York was literally like, you gotta leave. Mm, yeah. You gotta leave. Everything's closing up. Right. So I was like, what am I gonna do? I am gonna reclaim my citizenship for Costa Rica. Mm. So I'm a dual citizen now. Damn. Um, and I moved there to live with my grandma and write a book about her. So I technically identify as a fiction writer. And I feel kind of misgendered when I'm called a poet. <laughs> <laughs> but you a badass poet, fam. Like, right. I'm just, accepting. I'm moving into my gender. I would love to just gender. plug in very quickly <laughs> that, like, John, I first when I first heard you read poems out loud was also when I first met you. Yeah. And you read this one, and I'll never forget this line. This was six years ago. And you said, those top-heavy women with those top-heavy lives. Never forgot that. That was crazy. It's one of my favorite poems that I've ever written. Dog, I might get that tattooed on my body somewhere. That was just so good. I should publish that somewhere. You should. <laughs> anyway, continue. <laughs> um, so a year goes by, and my novel is very unsuccessful. Um, but I'm really absorbing Costa Rica. I'm really absorbing Spanish. I'm really absorbing this reclaiming of my roots. Mm -hmm. But it's real problematic because being a Latino and not having connection to your home country, you sort of fantasize it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, Puerto Ricans, you always see them with the flags. Mm -hmm. Chicanos are always talking about Mexico and Costa Ricans is the same thing. So mm -hmm. I'm like seeking refuge within Costa Rica throughout my entire life mm -hmm. because I'm not white. Mm -hmm. Because I was raised in a black community where I'm not black. Yeah. And so it was one of the very few, you know, uh, refuges, right? And so when I get to Costa Rica, Costa Ricans are like, yeah, but you're not really Costa Rican, though. Right. You don't really speak with our accent. You don't mm. really look like us. Because I'm half Uruguayan, so I'm a little European. Mm. And so it was grappling with that identity crisis, you know, for a little while. And then... I really love to cook. I'm a really good cook. Badass cook. I'm a real good cook. So what's um, your go-to? My go-to is rice is my gender. <laughs> <laughs> it's rice. My, it's my family. <laughs> <laughs> it's my family's gender, so we yes. really pride ourselves. I love it. We really pride ourselves on making rice and putting a whole lot of cilantro in it. Yeah. Because that's the only way that you can make rice. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> um, and so. Like, I'm a badass cook, and everybody in Costa Rica knew it. I was selling cakes at the time. You know what I mean? Trying to get some money while I'm living with my grandma and blah, 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 blah. And there comes this chance where there's a neighborhood restaurant that has just... It didn't go out of business. The actual owner's husband had a stroke. Shit. So she had to book. Yeah. And her sister was the landlord. And she was looking for somebody to rent. And the, um, what's it called? Inversion. Uh, the investment was real low because everything was equipped. The kitchen, the chairs, the tables, wow. everything, the space. Really? And so I took out a small business loan hmm. and I started a crepery. Wow. And so I made crepes <laughs> for two years. And so I just sold the business and I moved back here to D.C. Yeah. Yeah, it was wild crazy. And I wrote my collection while I was at uh, the crepery. What's the name of your collection? My collection's called I'd Rather Sink. Yes. <laughs> yes. And call Brad for help. Yep. <laughs> so why sell it? Inside. Why sell it and why move back? Oh my god, I got so... I had a real... That identity crisis that I was talking about, it was weighing really heavy on my heart. It's really hard. I mean, it's hard to be... Like, I'm not even going to say a gay person, because, mm -hmm. I mean, Costa Ricans, like, find a way to navigate it, because that's their culture. They know how to navigate it. I don't know how to navigate it. I'm real flamboyant. I'm real femme. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so it's hard being a femme person in a masculine body in Latin America. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, people would... First of all, I would have to walk to the grocery store, like, every other day, and I would walk past this car wash. Everybody at the car wash, I'm telling you, 15 to 20 men would stop what they were doing and gawk at me and whistle at me. And they would do it to trans people walking by. They'd do it to other gay guys walking by. And it's just like this weird 
And it's, it's not it's not beautiful of them. It's, it's not. Like, it's ugly of them. Right, and it hurts because, you know, I'm still living or still navigating this fantasy of mine, right? And then the fantasy is crumbling very slowly over a long period of time. So it's not only being, like, a queer person, but it's also... I'm not fit to run a business. Mm. It's so mm. hard. I was working 70 hours a week. Mm. It's so exhausting. Mm -hmm. And so I think I was just kind of tired of everything. And also living with your grandma, you're not getting laid. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> you're Ever. not getting laid. So, I mean, maybe if I was getting laid, it would have been a little better. You probably would have stayed, yeah. <laughs> I probably would have stayed. At what point do you say, we're going back to my grandma's house? And she's there. <laughs> and you can't. She's always there. That and like you love her more than anybody in the world, but some Sometimes you want her to take a trip for the weekend. Yo, a friend, a friend of mine, to, to slightly associatively, <laughs> and then we will return to you because you are featured on this thing. Not Jason Simon. Shout out to Jason Simon, an incredible intellectual dude from Mississippi who's actually going to be in New York um, for their PhD soon. For his PhD soon. Wow, I, I mispronounced in, in a direction I didn't assume I would do. It's, it's interesting. Um, but he talked about um, when living in New York that there was he was working at American Apparel as like a store manager. Wow, R.I.P. American Apparel. And um, this one shorty he was seeing was like, oh, hey, come back to my place. And her mom was there and it's a studio apartment. Whoa. And she was still trying to get it in. With the moms on the couch, and she was fighting with her moms. Shut up. She's like, oh, Yeah, no. mom, brought a man home. And it's oh, like, her no. home. <laughs> Oh, no. What, what do you do? This woman is 20 years old. And then he was like, Look, I have to leave. How long like, did it take him to leave? A second. He was like, I have to go. And she's yeah. like, No, don't go. It's totally going to be fine. He was like, No, no, no. I have to go. Yeah. Oh I God. have to go. <laughs> I'd rather do it in a dumpster. I'd literally rather than not have sex ever. I would be. I would issue a moratorium on sex for myself for the right. rest of my life. Like I'd be good on that. I'd be actually good on that. That's wild, crazy. My gender is more of a tree yeah. stump anyway. So I <laughs> Especially if right when you Wait, John and Rose, yeah. what are your genders? I'm yeah, really curious is, about so, this. So we got rice with culantro. We got yeah. a tree stump. Who's y'all? The sky? I don't know exactly how to answer that. Maybe Mish is my gender. Mish is totally your gender. The most adorable dog. Yeah, that's that's a manifestation of your gender. Man. I mean, look at him. Come on. <laughs> He's I'm definitely chilling. part of that. You are, you, are, you are a lot of yeah. that. Sorry, that's podcast listeners. Uh, my dog is Mish. asleep over uh, Adorable. Next He's quite lovely. <laughs> he looks a lot like a throw rug. He does. He's like a 70s throw rug. He's what I want in my home as a throw rug. Right. You know, but John, that's why I kept saying to you, and now we have we have the language to articulate it, thank you, gender studies, but like when I said that is your dog, I was like, that could not be anyone else's dog. That dog is so your dog, you know? And it's not just because mm. like you're raising him, you know, with Maggie, who's like the best. Like, the best. That, that dog is, shout out to Maggie, that dog is shout your out. dog, like... <laughs> Y'all dog for sure, but feels so much like you mm -hmm. that it, it's a little absurd sometimes. I'm like, whoa. It's like uh, that scene from 101 Dalmatians where they're watching everybody pass by and the dog looks smack like, mm. you know, the person who owns it. Yeah. And it's just very much like how dogs and humans adopt each other's yeah. energies. You know what I mean? They start like melding They start together. looking at each other. It feels like, yeah. <laughs> honestly, if you're listening to this, you can hop on over to my Instagram and get a, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, hashtag you can I just took some Instagram pictures of Mish so I can send them to you for our joint oh, Poetry Gods Instagram. Going down. Sure. Yeah, we're going to make a star out of Mish. Okay. <laughs> Mish is already a star. It's true. You were going to say something, Jose? Well, you know, I'm, I'm really curious to hear because I've, you know, I remember a lot of what you're saying is resonating with me, John. I remember when I was much younger my family took trips to Mexico every year, you know what I mean? And yeah. so I had relationships with people in Mexico, uh, with cousins and aunts and uncles. Um, but I remember, like, at a certain point, probably when I was, like, becoming a teenager here, that I, like, had this identity crisis where I was like, oh, like, I am a Mexican. I have I am wrongly placed where I am. Like, I need to go back. And, like, I, I remember having this fantasy, like, the whole school year, uh, and being like, like I belong in Mexico, and like yeah. when I'm there, like 
It's nostalgia. Yeah, and, and it you haven't even sense. been there. It's like blood nostalgia. Right. I mean, and I and I had been yeah. there. You know what I mean? But I mean, like uh, occupied in a long period of, or for a long period of yeah. time. Yeah. And so I remember, you know, and this was, you know, this was the last time that I've been there. I was like so heartbroken by the experience, but like profoundly, you know, feeling like oh, like this like Mexico is not my home you know what I mean like it means a lot to me and it's my parents home but it is not where I come from you know what I mean Mm -hmm. like and like I haven't been back since then you know what I mean and I think part of it is because I'm like I, I like understood something in that moment which was that like you know I'm not in in and I think there's more here that I haven't found yet I think there's something that I grapple a lot with I think it's deeper than this but feeling this in-betweenness of like I'm neither from Mexico nor from mm-hmm. the United States you know mm-hmm. what I mean and so like what is like I'm still on whatever journey my parents took like I, I belong to that journey you know mm. what I'm saying right. talk about that wow. talk about that and, you know it's so interesting this reminds wow. me of also that's why you're a freaking conversation fellow because that's all me and Navi's work is mm. is like trying to make an address out of the journey mm. you know what I mean like because Right now, you know, like, I'm a nomadic person. Like, I don't have a fixed location. And it actually makes a lot of sense. And it's why I feel, like, not crazy. Mm. Because I'm, what? Like, I'm from the transatlantic slave trade and Ellis Island adventures. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, I'm nothing if not a boat. Mm. All I am is a boat. All you is is a boat. Or Mm. a car. You know what I mean? Like, and it reminds me of, um... Fucking some shit that I was thinking about. That it Safia. Me of. Yeah, well, Safia. I mean, Safia is the, the key to, to this Safia. because she says so in her bio. I'm from Sudan by way of DC. Yeah, right. You, by way of it might as because be like, also being an immigrant child is that your home is your home country. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. Once you step through that threshold, you're yeah. back in whatever country that you don't know. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And outside, you are American. You have to speak this way and blah 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 blah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah. What what have you discovered? Is is the book of poems that you wrote? Yeah. Is it is there like what's in that book? Talk about talk about it. Okay, uh so the book of poems, uh basically my sister's roommate, um, she's like kind of interested in going to my book release, but she's like, Yeah, I wanna hear I guess I wanna hear John talk about butt sex. So that's basically <laughs> what my book of poems is. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Why did they? Why, it's not just about butt sex. It's not just. It's about, a lot yeah. about. Butt it's sex. a lot about butt sex. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, it's less about Costa Rica as a whole, and it's more about myself as a whole. Mm. It's like real confessional. Yeah, it it's is. A, yeah, it's a lot of stuff that I haven't talked to people about, and that I'm not even maybe prepared to talk about mm. on a public, you know, platform. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I had to get it off my chest. Yeah, you did. There's, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, 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 you go ahead. Well, the, there's a couple things that are really interesting to me because, you know, you mentioned, like, becoming the keeper of your family's secrets and how that was okay because you're writing a book. And I think for me, there's, like, a hesitation when I think about writing about my family. You know what I mean? And I wonder, mm. like, if there was that moment where, where before it was like, oh, I would write a book about this if there was, like, a... Maybe do I like just hold this? Like what what was your what was it like inheriting these secrets? So that's question one. But then two, like in writing a poem about in writing a book of poems about yourself, like what is what is it? I guess what are what are you feeling as you like get are getting ready to release the book, which is confessional and personal into yeah. the world? Well, with the collection, there's more I mean, there's a huge tie to Costa Rica, right? It's very spatial. Mm-hmm. I'm in Costa Rica. I'm in New York. I'm in D.C. I'm in my basement in D.C. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm also in Uruguay, which I had never been to. Mm-hmm. My mother's from Uruguay. And so she hasn't been back since she left, even yeah. when her mother died, mm-hmm. even when her aunt died. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. my sister, me, and her brother, who I've never met, are the only three left in the family. And so my mother left because of the trauma and because she grew up during uh, the dictatorship mm. in Uruguay. And so if you guys know anything about Latin American history, it's that the Southern Cone had really intense dictatorships. Just wild shit. Wild shit. For no reason. Yeah. And so uh, my mom would say that people on the beach, uh, they would find Chinese people washing up on shore. What? Right? 
And it would actually be that the dictator government was kidnapping people, putting them on planes, and throwing them out uh, of, of the doors. And they would drown, and they would swell up with seawater. And their eyes would, you know what I mean? Yeah. Would become, yeah. Uh, yeah. So not Chinese people, in fact. No, not actual Chinese people, but, you know, Uruguayans and Argentines and Paraguayans washing up on shore, so bloated with seawater. They thought they were from a different country. They thought they were from a different country. So there's a lot of that trauma going through the book. And so it's focusing more on my mother's trauma that she never really talks about and that I feel so like how I've inherited it Mm -hmm. even though I don't know about it Mm -hmm. and I mean it's happened in the novel as well where Mm -hmm. I would be writing things and I'd be talking to people in the family and they're like yeah that happened so it's this weird blood memory it's this weird weird blood memory that's coming through all the time and so I guess that's what I mean when I'm talking about my family's ghosts is that not necessarily they've been related to me Mm-hmm. But they come out of me. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's so wild. Cause for my family's ghosts mm-hmm. come come out of me, not through my writing, which is funny because that's what some of my family fears. They're like, "Are you gonna write about us?" And actually, just my dad, which he's working through. <laughs> he's working through, and he's like fine with it now. Hashtag but, Scorpio. You know, but right. But the thing is, is that like I would never write about my family up until now, mm-hmm. and even then, so much of it is just for me. You know, they'll never be published anywhere. Maybe right. they'll go on a grant so I can, you know, get some bread. But I don't think I'll publish them since. Amen. Maybe never. Maybe never. Because they're mine. Like, maybe I'll read them at a reading where no one's recording. Yeah. Maybe. It's mine. But, like, they come up, my family's ghosts come up physically. So, like, I'll get sick the way my grandfather got sick. Or I'll need a surgery the way my grandmother needed a surgery. Like, one time I needed this one surgery. And my dad, right before it, was like, can I go with you? And I was like, No. It was private. You can go home. He was yeah. like, no, but please, like, can I go? Why can't I just be? And he looked crazy. And I was like, what is going on with him? My mom was like, it was a similar surgery when his mom died. Wow. So he wants to be there, mm-hmm. you know? And it's just like, I'm like, but I'm not married. And she's like, it, but he's still Craig, you know? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. and, and so it's, it's an interest. It, it does come up. I want to ask you um, a go question about um, Pam Greer. So her name is tattooed on your arm. Yeah. And she, her signature. And just talk to me about her. Because in your book, she is alive. Yeah. Pam Greer is Pam Greer and And it's dedicated to her. Yes. So the book itself is dedicated to Elizabeth Taylor, Pam Greer, Dorian Corey. Do y'all know who Dorian Corey is? Oh, no. Oh, please break it down. Please break it down. Yes. (laughs) Dorian Corey is the best. So um, have y'all seen Paris is Burning? The documentary about black and Latin drag queens and trans people living in Harlem and creating these ball scenes where they can feel at home. Can we hook up together early tomorrow and watch this? Because I think it's it's transformed. It's it's yeah. my Bible. I think and you like, told me about this. Before. Yeah, I'm yeah. I feel like for a lot of black and Latin queer yeah. people I talk to, it's their Bible. It's the too. Bible. It's the Bible. Yeah. And so Dorian Corey is this um, older trans drag queen who is just the book of knowledge, mm-hmm. this book of wisdom. And so she's basically defining... Like the rabbi of the ballroom. Exactly. Yeah. And so she is the one with the language. You know what I mean? Uh, she's like, shade came from reading. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And she defines all of these things for us. And a lot of her footage was shot in her apartment. Mm-hmm. And so come to find out when she died from complications to AIDS and all her friends are raiding her closets for her boas and for her stuff, (laughs) that they found a faux leather duffel bag. And when they unzip this faux leather duffel bag, there is a mummifying body with a gunshot wound to the head. It's wild. Wow. Murdered the dude! Murdered the dude and kept him in her apartment for 20 years as it mummified. And so it's this really kind of mad crazy thing. They did like science on it to know that they did science to know that it was 20 years. Did you do a science? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course they did. They found out who it was. There's a New York Post article about it called The Mummy Had a... Or The Drag Queen Had a Mummy in Her Closet. It's fant- It's a fantastic read. Mm. And so I have a poem uh, towards the end of... 
Um, no, don't. Read the other one. Read the other one. Okay. Read two. Yeah. Read both. Yeah. Okay. They're great. Well, so um, the second to last poem, or maybe third to last poem, is what a faux leather duffel bag might say to Dorian Corey. Mm. Shit goes, yo. Oh, my God. So it's this really wild, crazy thing. And so there is this running theme in my book about these femmes, these like femme fatales, and they're always killing men. Mm. They're always killing masculinity. Eileen Warnos is in my book. She was a serial killer who killed seven men. She was a hitchhiking hooker. Mm-hmm. Um, Elizabeth Taylor, because she divorced seven men, and she was so beautiful that they died inside mm-hmm. when she divorced them. Uh, Pam Greer is in there. Uh, Soraya Montenegro from Mariela del Barrio, which is this great <laughs> telenovela. And she's this crazy, crazy, crazy villain. And... Um, What's your question? Well, just oh, Pam who, who are yeah. these women, though? I mean, who are we, these can, women? we can explore that more than... Pam Greer is the conduit, right? For me? Right. Pam Greer yeah. is, like, my hero. So black femmes have always yeah. been, like, the staple of how I understand reality. Mm. You know what I mean? Because I was raised in a black community. And especially by black femmes. All of my teachers have been, all of my best friends have been, everybody around me has been a black femme. Mm -hmm. And so when I first saw Pam Greer's movies, I'm like, I connect to you. When did you first see them? I think it was in college. Okay. I think it was in college and I had seen Foxy Brown. Mm. And so for a long time I had a five foot long Foxy Brown poster in Mexican Spanish and it was like water colored. It was beautiful. This is one of my favorite things about going to your house is that John... I had a badass apartment, by the way. Yeah. Off of Notion and Green. It was amazing. It was incredible. And we'd have these, like, rooftop shenanigans. Because John, yo, like, quit lo- quick love fest. And then we'll talk more about these women, please. But, like, John taught me about, like, the moon. Like, what the fuck it is. Yeah. Like, you know, you're the fucking door to my feminist because I wasn't really trying to have none. Oh. I'm serious. That's so. And I remember like standing on your roof, smoking a cigarette poorly. Like I was 17. (laughs) (laughs) Just like, I don't know how. Oh my god! And and we were with Safia. Young. I was so young. So great. I had no idea how young I was. Didn't tell you because I was like, they're never gonna let me come back. (laughs) No, but I first met Aziza and I saw her read with Safia and Michelle, Denise Jackson, Mm -hmm. and Tanya Ingram. Shout out to the NYU spoken word crew. They're the ones. Um, but I came up to Aziza and I'm like, do you remember? Yeah. It stunned me. You're a star. Mm. I didn't believe you. Because I was not writing. You are a star. I saw who she was permeate from what she was. Mm. Does that make sense? It does. Thank you. It was so fantastic seeing her potential. And it's so fantastic seeing Aziza flourish. Into this fantastic human being. Thank you, Flourish. and that's how I feel about We'd be a you, real fam. We're being so good. <laughs> like, we are. But I remember on that roof. I remember on that roof. Like watch. Like I said something about, and I started writing some poem that I'm gonna stop calling shitty because I was 17. They were they were good thoughts, young Aziza. They were fantastic. I'm literally just I'm yelling at myself. <laughs> um, uh, but I remember thinking like, wow, all these brownstones look like tombstones, mm. and I was writing that. And I remember, I just remember you saying like that I should keep writing things. And the moon was out and you were telling me about the moon and what the fuck it was and what it was yeah. doing. And I just remember talking to you, anytime I would talk to you, like you were always so open about like, oh, I'm pissed right now. Ugh. And I was like, how, how, Sway? Like, how do, how do you do that? And then like allow for the world to shift you and you to shift you. Very like, Pisces. Yeah, but it's beautiful. It's a Pisces thing. But I'm a Pisces rising, right? And so I didn't know anything but, about that. Well, your rising sign... Not rising. Your my ascendant. Yeah. Well, yeah, you're, you're rising and your ascendant are the same. Oh. It's just a different name. Sure. But your ascendant is usually how you project yourself onto the universe. Mm. So it's what people read you as. So mm. sometimes I'll read somebody as a Virgo mm. and they're like, uh, no, I'm that. a Leo or whatever. And then when we do their chart... They're a Virgo rising. Sure. Wow. And sure. It's so it's also what you project onto the universe and also what you have to fight against. Yeah, mm. or you're going to go it's under your the challenge. table. Yeah. You know, my cancer rising is my challenge. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I got to learn how to open up, not yeah. emotionally about my superficial feelings, but the deep, you know what I mean? The meat the well. of it. Mm. Yeah. But That's how I feel about being a Gemini. 
Mm. Not that I need to open up, but I just like truly feel those two selves. Oh, absolutely. So pronounced. Yeah. And I'm so conscious of like, honestly, one thing that I always get from people, I don't know if y'all feel this way, but people are always like, oh man, you're so happy. Yep. Like I get that shit all the time. (laughs) And I'm like, man, what is it? I know I'm smiling right now and I'm laughing and I'm happy. But there's something in that like pronouncement that makes me feel like not known. The other well, yeah, it makes me feel like, oh god, no like that's just you. not true. Yeah, no one's yeah. asking you, and and I think it's interesting because like, so being a Libra and a Pisces ascendant, right? I'm like so drawn to Gemini's because y'all seem fine. First yeah. of all, With like not barn- fine, but like bubbly. <laughs> But Yo, can I, I just I love... can I just say that I'm a Gemini rising? Are you? Oh, what's your what's your what's... Oh, that's really cool. Gemini Sun, oh. Gemini rising, Pisces Sun, Pisces hey. rising. We're really crossing these. Wow. I feel like we're the Geminis rising. are very fun. Like until you hit thirty, you're very fun for everybody else. Mm. You know? Maybe mm-hmm. maybe pre thirty if you're yeah. rising. <laughs> you're saying I'm not gonna be fun. No, 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 you're doing great. <laughs> this is I'm speaking for oh, wow. But I, I love y'all. Very good, and I'm here to be having a great time. Yeah. <laughs> I do hear you though. The, you know, there are I mean? times where people are like, you know, I, I guess whatever they expect. You know, if I am quiet for a second, they're yeah. like very alarmed. Well, know? I get mm. shook. And uh, yeah, if you're quiet for a second, I'm like, oh God, what's going on? Right. Because I like, worry about because your ruler yeah. is communication. Mm. Yeah, your ruler wow. is Mercury. It's communication. It's, so oh, really? my my friend. Uh, I guess I'm gonna call it LaShawn. What's up, LaShawn? Hey, LaShawn. She's a Sagittarius. I miss And LaShawn. she's real shady towards Gemini's. Because LOL, Gemini's, she is. Gemini's house is the house of the lower mind. Mm. And Sagittarius's house is the house of the higher mind. Mm. So throw in lots of shade there. But Gemini's, Great. y'all are good with communication. You guys are good with expressing yourself and being sociable it's and true. accommodating. It's real great. But yeah. then you have that darker twin. Yeah. So we Who, interact like, with up. the one dude or the one like being, and then the other twin is like JK. I'm doing the Mr. Burns. Excellent. It's so funny because um, I was talking to one of my best friends. Shout out to Alexa Velasquez. Whoop. On the planet, one of my best friends. Like, this is her Gemini. She right now is working in a laboratory. Hey. And she is dissecting embryos to try to understand why congenitive heart failure exists. Wow. She also is a screenwriter. Important as fuck. You know what I mean? Like, she writes these incredible screenplays about young Salvadorian women in South Central LA, of which she is one, who are trying to understand their own magic. And um, she no. she put me on to just magic. Like, she before You in the Moon, it was Alexa in the Moon. Do you know what mm. I mean? And her mom saying, like, only cut your hair on a full moon. Yeah. Don't cut it. So That's now I need to shit. adhere to that. Yeah. No. Well, her, her mom and all her tias and her abuela, like, on it like it was to the point where um they were living in this one apartment i think it's okay to tell this story and if it's not then i'll have it redacted but um this one um i'll ask her after this one uh, one of the women in their neighborhood at this apartment was a uh evil bruja like a baneful Mm. bruja like interested in the, the hate magic and dark magic dark magic yeah so she you know would just be killing folks yeah on a spell and she, at one point, left. Her mom saw this in, on her front lawn, a, a triangle pillar of salt. And then they moved. Absolutely. Alexa's mom was like, no, we have to go. This is, wow. Someone is trying to hex us. Yeah. And they moved. And they moved into this beautiful house, like, a mile away. It was fine. But she's always been able to, Alexa's always been able to pick up on shit like that. Like, yeah. So in, in this one really, like, massive depressive episode I was having, I went to her and stayed at her house for a few months in L.A. And... She, I got to see in her, she let me share and hold that darker twin of hers. Because I was so dark. And I, as a Libra, like, being like this, I love holding Gemini's. Because, like, you mm-hmm. fit. You fit perfect in my little in in my little logic. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, are we both dark? Are you dark? I'm light. It's great, you know? And so we both got to be real dark and in a way that didn't drown us. Because we always knew there was another guy that Mm. we could go to there was another whole other way of being together that we've grown so accustomed to of like going out and dancing and being joyful and sitting and watching movies and cackling because y'all have that access to air exactly we fly right and so she's an air sign like shit i'm an air sign like shit and she's also she speaks this language too and so her mom would like uh, alexa on december 31st 
did a 12 month tarot read for me. Wow. She this this bitch loves me. Like I was I was I wasn't speaking words, you know. I was curled up on our friend India's couch and Alexa was like, "Let me do your tarot." Remember how you wanted me to do that cuz you're not and she won't even point out my behavior because she knows it's too sensitive then, but later she'll be like, "You weren't talking." 10 hours had passed. You hadn't spoken. So what I love is that, like, today she was hitting me up, like, what she'll do. She'll be like, how are you doing? Should I go quit my job? I don't understand life. Why am I bringing that up? I was just like, yeah, why indeed? Because, like, that's not the conversation. You know, but I'll do that too, right? If I'm feeling insecure, it'll be like, let me talk about how, let's figure it out together. And it's like, actually, no, you need to just talk to people. Mm. <laughs> you know, but it's, it's interesting. It's interesting, the malleability of self. Yeah. But... Uh, with with these women, are there any men that are in the book by name? I read your book maybe oh, twenty times. Yeah. Okay. So throughout the book, you know what I mean. I'm writing how boys are stupid, mm-hmm. basically, right? But stuff and boys poetry. being stupid. Auger poetry, and so I don't True. mention any of them by name because I feel like all of my ex lovers and ex boyfriends and stuff have sort of taken on this amalgus ghost Mm. that is constantly behind me, that constantly weighs in on how I interact with a lot of people, especially how I interact with love. And so I started the collection after um, this really weird kind of breakup with this Canadian sociopath. Oh, God, I hate this guy. Yeah, uh, totally beautiful, absolutely stunning, but real bad person. You said beautiful on the outside. Beautiful on the outside, yeah. Um, But I mean, sociopaths are charming, you know what I mean? They're manipulative and they're parasitic and all of this stuff, and so... They're so cute. Yeah, they're so wonderful. Sociopaths are great until they try to ruin your life. Which they ultimately... Which they ultimately always do. And so... When I broke up with this person and I severed this tie with this person, all of a sudden this ghost had a face. Mm. And there's such a power in identifying your ghost, Mm. in it not being this, you know, blob, Mm. but it being a series of faces and a series of names. And so throughout the collection, these men show up in different ways throughout the poems. And sometimes the poem is a mix of three or four guys, or mm. one or two guys, or just one guy. And there's this one, there's this one fucking poem in the middle of the book. <laughs> okay, so the book is named after Lichtenstein's Drowning Girl. Have y'all ever seen it? It's at the mm. MoMA. Okay, so it's this blue-haired girl who is crying, and she's being enveloped by waves, right? And it's very comic book, and she has a speech bubble. And the speech bubble says, I don't care. I'd rather sink then call Brad for help. Wow. wow. And so my poem is saying his name is not Brad. Mm. His name is X, Y, Z, A, B, C, all these men who've done these things to me. Mm. And I finish with Marlon Brando. Because mm. who doesn't want him to be Marlon Brando? Mm. Wow. But definitely not Brad. Yeah, not Brad. Marlon Brando is wow. interesting. Yeah, so I mean, like in the... In the book, there is, it doesn't end well, because it goes through, like, there are these three really important poems, beginning, middle, and end poem, that are a journey through the Egyptian underworld, and through the judgment of Anubis and Osiris and these people. And so the first poem is uh, Anubis with a scale weighing his own dick and all of your ex-lover's hearts. And saying, well, sometimes the underworld is your best option. And you go through this underworld and they judge you. All of your lovers, uh, they line up with little tickets. And they're giddy and they're waiting to judge that ass. Mm. And then the final poem is your heart being ripped out of your chest by the monster who devours it when you have an unpure heart. And she asks your name. And you tell her that you don't know it because nobody has ever told you it before. Ooh. And even if they did... They wouldn't have had the balls to utter it. Wow. So it's this defeat. Do you know what I mean? The book is about defeat. But it's just like the painting. It's like, I'd rather be defeated than call on this motherfucker for help. Mm. Mm. I'd rather sink. (laughs) So it's a little dark. (laughs) (laughs) 
Ja, Ende war Butt Sex. Darkness and Butt Sex. Mm-hmm. Uh, not mutual exclusive. Um, will you read us a poem? Or Absolutely. Two? I. Uh, all right, let me find. So something. hold up. Let us let us set the yeah. stage. <laughs> Listen, y'all. Yeah. Well, we might be. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I never do this. Oh, you're right, you're right, you're right. Go ahead, Z. I don't even know how, but I'm going to find out. So, you might be... Okay, this is how we do this. You might be... I hope you're not on your motorcycle. But you I hope be. you're not bungee jumping. <laughs> I hope you're not cleaning your toenails. You might be. I right. hope you're not. We want them to clean their toenails. Yeah, but I just don't want to Tone be involved at all. Is, uh, you don't I, want I hope you're not. I do hope you're doing your taxes because <laughs> it's past due. Listen, you should have uh, already done them. I need to do Anyway, so um, <laughs> I, I, and I hope more than anything that you're listening with glee yeah. as John Arias reads this poem. Let's give it up for John Arias. Um... So I'm going to do this one. It's called Cenicero, Cenicita, Cenicienta, which means ashtray, little ashes, Cinderella. Mm. I see that old woman who devours ashes from the ground in the snow that drifts carelessly like coke from the tip of your nose. On the corner, a gargantuan warehouse, burgundy in the street lights, a volcano of brick and cement divides the earth into two options. To the left, Barbed licorice wire, a rundown pulperia that opens on Christmas, two transvestites arguing about whether Walter Mercado is the Lord and Savior, and to the right, a banshee, her wig frozen solid, her Celeste Maw lip syncing Elizabeth Taylor's funeral rites. I see that old woman who devours my ashes from the ground, mm-hmm. in gaping manholes that scald the frost around them, hysterically inviting suitors with off putting winks. You caress my thumb, bend it backwards, break it gently, Mm. turn it left, turn us left, to have our cards read by the two transvestites who've sprouted pretty fins and pearly scales. They flounder out of the pulperia with coins of bone and a ribbon, blood-colored, tying it around their ankles, playing tug-of-war with the only inheritance their mother could think of. Mm. I call out to that old woman who devours my ashes from the ground. As I fall belly down on shards of the warehouse's stained glass, brick dust, thunder, sulfur, Himalayan salt, your footprints from the blizzard of 96. Penitent blood floods the ridges of my abdomen like ancient furrows of Egypt. Tawaret calls out to that old woman who devours my ashes from the ground. As you change, changed, have changed your mind and turn, turned, have turned right and begun tipping the banshee singles from my wallet. Complimenting her in backwards Spanglish that I taught you within Rincón de la Vieja's crater, where we first met that old woman who devours our ashes from the ground. Her Betty Davis eyes the color of the center of the earth, gaping wildly at the buffet of having burned ourselves alive. Mm. You light my cigarette like a gentleman and tell me you hate me the most in the world. But I don't listen because that old woman who devours our ashes from the ground has started a duet with the banshee. And they're actually pretty good. Mm. Wow. Nice. Uh, so quick, you'll you'll have already missed this because you time. Have but <laughs> because a reverse time. promo. But John Arias's book release will be on Monday, May first, at Barrels at seven p.m. And Aziza will be reading and I'll as be well. Reading, but you can't come because it's too late. But. <laughs> It was great, I promise. It was fantastic. <laughs> but you have not missed the book. No, the you book have not. Is out, the book is out. Definitely read that. I'd rather sink from from Red Paint Hill. Red Paint Hill. Yes. All right. And where can the people find you? Uh, they can find me at John Manuel Arias uh, on Twitter, on Facebook, and on uh, Instagram, Latin Fish Drama. Mm-hmm. Latin Fish <laughs> Drama. Beautiful. <laughs> As always, you can find us on Twitter. At the Poetry Gods, you can find us on Instagram. We have this burgeoning collection of uh, photographs of poets when they were kids. Yes, I'm gonna send y'all one. Y'all yeah, do it. We love it. So look out for that. Look out for a uh, photo from a younger John Manuel Arias. Uh, 
Yeah, but you should follow us on Instagram because honestly, those are some very joyful photos. They're I feel very, like. Wait, yeah. I deleted my Instagram, so I want to see it. You oh, deleted I'll your Instagram? You. Yeah. When? I don't know. I just tagged you like yesterday in something. Steady. <laughs> awesome. That's fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, you can email us at email thepoetrygods at gmail dot com. Uh, also, if you took the Gmail account, thepoetrygods <laughs> at gmail dot com. What's the deal? We hate Listen, you. Honestly, what are you even doing with that? I feel like honestly, that's probably me, and I forgot it the is. password. You know it is you. Probably I took that. It is you. Probably it's me. We're hating. Uh, what else do the people need to know? Uh, they need to know that they can book us for live shows at their colleges, open mm. mics, and or restaurants. I don't know. Yes, you can. You can book us for restaurants. Glorious. Why show. haven't you booked us? You can book us for a salon. You know what I mean? A salon. You, <laughs> or if you have feedback and you have stuff that you really liked or like further questions or I don't know, yeah. reach out to us. Reach yeah. out to us. Say hello. We like hearing about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you have an excellent critique that's well worded and well thought, we'll take that too. And just. A five star review. And yeah, simply a five yeah. star oh, review. Go, go on iTunes, you know what I mean? If you feel so compelled, then uh, leave us a, a five star review. If you feel like we're less than a five star podcast, maybe keep that to yourself. Yeah, yeah. Well, we so, have a two star review. <laughs> we I actually really tell that to people in the restaurant. Like the I'm like, don't leave a four star yeah. review on my restaurant. Right. No, I thought it not. felt accurate. I was like, come on, we're not five stars across the board. It's nice when you look on there, we got 39 five stars. Out of, one two star. Yeah, exactly. And the two star wasn't even like trolling. It they was were like, like it's I a was hoping it would be a little more structured. And you yeah. know what? That's okay. Fuck you. I love you. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, you can catch us next time. Uh call they just don't know. They don't People see me, but they just don't know. People see me, but they just don't know. People, 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 Let's do it. I'm ready. Right back.